0: Welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that provides you with conversations with experts and like-minded people who would like to see education turn into a flourishing environment for the well-being of all. So, are you ready? Let's start. hope you enjoy this session. and welcome to another powerful Imperfectly Perfect conversation for the Flourishing Education podcast. This morning I'm talking to Yumna Hussein. She's a student activist and campaigner, elected youth MP for Birmingham. She's an avid writer, a poet and co-author of Struggles of War. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Yumna.
1: Thank you Fabian for um, getting me on this podcast. It's an honour to be here. I will speak with you. Yes,
0: I Yumna and I, I, I have had the privilege to be privy to uh, some of Yumna's thinking, listeners beforehand. So, again, you're in for a treat because uh, yeah, Yumna's thinking is extraordinary. So, really delighted. Um, Yumna, let's start with um, you know your journey. Um, so you're a student activist and campaigner what does that mean and how what was your trajectory to becoming an, an activist and a campaigner I, I assume you didn't sort of wake up age five and think right I'm gonna be an activist
1: or did you <laughs> no um, I feel like when I was younger um, I feel like I was always a more empathetic person than my peers and I think I feel like that's what probably led me onto this path um, and I was always interested because when I was younger, um, so like my ethnicity, so I'm, I'm Yemeni and I'm Somali, um, and when I was younger, um, the Arab Spring was a really big deal back in 2012, right? Um, and that was always on the news, and that was, like, that was all I was hearing about, and I was really, really interested, like, why were people that unhappy with their own government? And I was like seven or eight years old, um, and that really got me interested, um, like, about like political change and revolution. Um, and the corruption that was going on going on around the world and the human rights violations. Um, and I still started could start talking to my dad more, more people who were more interested. And I feel like that was one of the first times I was exposed to um, the systematic, systematic sorry, oppression that different people faced. Um, and so I back in year eight I wrote a book um, with my cousin called Struggles of War. Um, and it explored the war in Palestine through a child's lens. Um, and it really examined the um, psychological impacts it has on a child um, and the resilience that actually they they have when you're going through such a traumatic experience my cousin's part of the book was had the same theme of a young child going through um, the war but it was set in Somalia and we sort of merged it in the end um, and it really taught me like the different ways that you know social change can happen so I do a lot of writing I really enjoyed um, like expressing my own opinions through writing articles, um, public speaking, so talking and connecting with different people who are interested in the same um, field that I am, but also connecting with people who, who may not have the same opinion as me, so I can, you know, understand more of where they're coming from. Um, and that like led me on to joining my local youth council, um, and I did a couple campaigns with like raising awareness about knife crime because knife crime is rife in Birmingham and um, increasing the opportunities for young people um, living in inner city, Birmingham. Um, and the main common theme that I kept seeing when I was talking to people and joining these campaigns um, was that there was something wrong with the schooling system because I saw there was loads of people who were capable of doing so much, but their own environment and their own self-worth was preventing them from feeling that they could achieve their own potential because of the societal pressures and expectations. Um, and so I heard about the UK Youth Parliament um, through my local youth council. So I ran for election and basically for that, you just have to, you know, create a leaflet, tell people why they should vote for you, talk to different young people, find out about what they are really passionate about, what they want change um, in the area. Um, and I ended up getting the deputy role. Um, and then a few weeks later, it was the pandemic. So the pandemic hit and that was like back in March um, 2020. Um, and then I continued being involved in different campaigns, like a mental health awareness campaign. So we collaborated with like a few mental health organisations um, to provide the youth perspective to make sure that it's accessible um, and that is really inclusive. Um, and I also did a couple camp, like a couple projects with the NHS um, about how young people should become more involved in the healthcare system um, through like workshops, through sessions, and I just basically just trying to get the youth perspective on everything, Um, whether that was healthcare inequalities, whether that's what young people felt about virtual appointments, whether young people felt that, you know, they weren't being listened to by their local boards. Um, And so it just, everything just kept drawing me back to education. I joined um, an organization called Bite Back 2030 as well, um, where I was a youth leader and we worked on the national campaign um, for into like implementing a permanent solution to the problem of free school meals. Um, and then it really clicked for me because the, the education and the politics intersected like at that moment where like the government was trying to um, implement something. The government't didn't want to implement the free school meals campaign because of economics and so on. Um, but the young people and different organizations did want to. Um, and it just kept bringing back to the educational inequalities. And then I started researching more and educating myself more about um, how transformative education can help a person, a young person, become more confident in themselves, and school can become a more empowering um, experience. Amazing.
0: And so, obviously, your movement has made a huge impact in terms of the free school meals, right? Because you, you. Why did your movements um, contribute to the U-turn in the government um, decision? You know, because that was a big deal,
1: right? Yeah, um, I'm going to say it wasn't my movement per se, but I played a big role in it because um, I kept speaking speaking out, um, and because I was part of the the organisation, and I sort of helped by writing articles, um, and I kept speaking to different people with locally, so within like Birmingham City Council. Um, and making sure that they they need the importance of basically implementing free school meals and talking to schools about it as well and uh, people within the food system um, so I feel like young people need to understand that they have some they can have they they have agency to sort of impact these big decisions whether they know it or not um, and I always say there's like three, I think if you, so I did a TED talk um, back in this, this year, March, and I talked about the three key pillars that I believe are essential to transform the education system and young people. Um, and that was about like personal development, unity and service. So I feel like if you go and you take the time out to educate yourself about these issues and go on this, the, the, the journey of um, personal development, um, you can then collaborate with people. So that brings in the second pillar of unity who are interested in the same, things that you are and create a safe space where you can sort of discuss um the issues that you're interested in whether that's in the education system or not and it sorts of bring people from different aspects of the education system whether that's students educators parents and people middle managers senior leadership teams like academy trusts it brings those people together so if you can create a space where it brings all those different people together to actually sit down and say what needs to be done in our education system what's working what's not working and how how can we actually move forward Um, and then the third aspect which is service understanding that you do have a responsibility to the world and the planet that you live in um, because you are ultimately at the end of the day you, you're benefiting from it and you want to help other people to make sure that the world is a more safer place for everyone to live in um so yeah
0: that you know when i hear you speak right, uh, you you your words are so wise and so oh. you know you i'm not even sure adults have that, those insights i know some adults who don't have those insights you have um so what I'm trying to say is that I don't think that the, the, the current schooling system empowers young people to have the wisdom and the the, the the critical thinking that you you have. Um and what I've heard in what you said previously is part of that is because there, there was a real curiosity from your part. So you you said yourself, I educated myself. So you went Outsides and so you know, looked for information, etc. Um, and I guess m- my question is, how how do we develop that in in uh, a generation of young people that really in school through the through the current system is being taught, you know, direct instructions of knowledge rich, but um is not really and this is my my humble opinion so if people disagree (laughs) they disagree right But for me because i see at university your generation is not encouraged to um think critically over topics and things so how do we develop that how do we empower young people to to ask more questions to develop more curiosity like you clearly
1: had Mm -hmm. from age eight wow yeah I'm going to say that um I feel like a lot everyone has you know everyone is curious in some sort of way but that curiosity may be suppressed or that imagination may be suppressed by external forces because usually our choices and our decisions unfortunately in this world now are sort of being puppeteered if you like and it's causing young people to define themselves based on societal expectations based on society's ideals Um, and that's harmful because it translates into our reality and our principles the values that we have and ultimately the impact that we can have on on the world and and the one-size-fits-all approach in the education system contributes to that as well and it it makes young people believe um, misleads them to believe that there's only one way to achieve success when when there isn't you know success is not quantifiable, and it's only by an individual's distinct set of values um, and their ambitions that they can get where they want to and um, be. And so, for me, I feel like school needs to be a place that develops critical consciousness um, and critical thinking. Um, so, always encouraging students to ask questions, um, because when you ask the when you ask a question, you, you're ultimately trying to look for a solution, aren't you? So, young people need to believe that they can be they 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 can be the solution to their own questions that they're asking, they can be the solution to the problem that they're trying to solve. Um, And so I feel like it's really important if you cultivate that um, with students at a young age and you build that safe space for them to discuss issues that they are passionate about um, and not trying to sort of dim their light in a way. Um, And oftentimes why decision makers and policy makers and people, you know, on the higher echelons of society always try and um, suppress imagination is because they think that, you know, a more, um, I don't know how to say it, but it's, we're not included in their economic models of thinking. I feel like they feel like um, a young person or any adult or a person who wants to develop themselves in that way of, in, and wants to go through the path of, you know, imagination and, they're not sort of within their own like traditional economic models they want um an, an, an employee per se to obey to think a certain way to behave a certain way and that's just not it's just not it's, it doesn't work like that like everyone's different in their own different way um and school needs to accommodate for that um and there's loads of examples of schools that are already doing that and I'm not an educationalist. I'm going to sit here and critique, you know, different methods of learning or education. But I do believe that if school was a more empowering and enlivening place, um, where a student doesn't have to double guess what the teacher's asking them to do, doesn't have to double guess what, you know, the way they need to behave or the way they need to act, um, there'll be more people who are more confident in themselves um, and they'll be more nurturing, be more empathetic, be more loving, be more caring. Um, but I'm gonna say that all starts with a transformed educator. If you don't have a if you don't see um, a transformed educator, if you don't learn from a transformed educator, who's already done the work themselves, um, You know, you, you don't feel as, you don't feel like you can do it as well. So um, education is it's an opportunity for us to learn and to grow. Um, but it starts with a transformed educator. Um, so yeah change starts from within yeah
0: and I don't know if you saw my post on LinkedIn this week but I was saying yeah. just that's how you know you were using words that I, I used just now so like dimming your light and the fact that yeah. if, if we if we as parents dim our lights and we have not done some of the work then it makes it really difficult to empower your young your young people you know your your children to shine their own light because if you're dimming your light you're not gonna yeah. your kids to dim your light and so you said you, you know when you were trying to write your book uh, struggles of war you said that you were talking also to your father um to try and understand the situation around palestines and other uh you know countries what do you think the roles of parents are? Because we talk a lot about schools and what schools do or don't do for young people. But, and you've mentioned, you know, the, the fact that like, I believe that it's a systemic approach and that parents need to have a part to play. Um but there's a part of me that feels that parents are not often included in that conversation around education or not enough. Um, yeah. In the same way that young people are not asked what they think or what they want, and we'll talk about that in, in a bit, but um, also I think parents are not encouraged to think about the schooling system and you know their role in the education of their children. So, what would you say to that?
1: Um, I'm going to say that um, I feel like for me, for example. Um, when i like talked to when i was um telling my dad you know when i was getting more interested in transformative education how can we build a more equitable tr- um education system i feel like um he was more of a tra- like a traditionalist he was more saying um that you know um education you know it's, it's a it's a one way like this is how the schooling system's built and even though he, you know, he had the, the, he has the idea of, you know, changing the, the education system and what, what, what um, he, he just, he, he kept saying that it's like, it's not, it's not like our choice. Do you get it? It's not, it's not something that we can actually change. Um, but the most like conversations that I've had with him, of course, like his opinion has changed, but he's, he, he, I feel like a lot of parents are like that, who think that, um, the education system can't be changed and that they don't have the agency because they've, they, he, he also mentioned, um, like, you know, teachers are not even well-respected um, within, like, the, within society. And that's, like, really, really sad um, that, you know, teachers, even within the pandemic, we, you know, we try to, like, celebrate teachers and um, applaud them for all their work that they've been doing. But it's just not enough because the government don't recognise it. Um, the teachers' unions... Um, have been like pushing for change for so long, education researchers, and they're not included. And so he's saying that even if teachers aren't, and teachers can be the ones to develop the curriculum, you can be the ones to educate people to, the ones who can empower them. If they're not even being respected enough, what hope do we have for the teachers, who, for the parents, sorry, who, you know, who do want to see change, but don't know the best way to do it. And that's why I believe that a systemic approach Um, can work and parents talking to their children about you know how was school what like what do you what do you like about school what do you want to change about school that sort of thing really makes like young people open you know broaden their horizons and try and think about what what they can do to change the education their their schooling system sorry Um, and understand how what part what role that they have to play um, and so, yeah, I believe that parents, when they open up the conversation, it's really, really important because it makes student, um, young people feel like they're heard and it makes them feel like that they can contribute um, to something as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And I am going to put my hands up here. Right. So before COVID, I was very much a product of the system, working in the system, trying to change it from within with my research. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of parents, I never ever questioned the system per se. Um, and I think, I think it when, you know, you were sort of saying about what your dad said about what's the hope of um, teachers, you know, if teachers who are trying to change the system from within comps, um, then what's the hope for parents and young people? I think, I think part of the problem is when you are within the system, you've got, like shackles you're just you're you're tight to the the system because you know and rightly so you you owe them you know you or your institution or your school loyalty um because at the end of the day they they provide the money for to put you know food on the table for example so i think it's right. really important to be loyal to your institution and respectful um but it but being in the system makes it more challenging to voice your concerns, for example.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've talked to, when I've talked to some people, they've said the same thing and I've read a few books and went like talking about changing the education system, but a lot of teachers have become teachers because they see that the education system is changing, but when they get into the system and they realize that they've gone way too deep into it, they can't get out. They they feel like they can't voice their concerns. Um, and every time you know they do it's like they get they get knocked down and that you know that diminishes their confidence to feel like they can actually create change um and so I feel like some teachers do play a role in expanding students you know ability to critically think and to you know change the curriculum and within their own classrooms but if that's not done on a wider scale um their efforts are then their efforts don't reach the amount of young people um that it can if you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah absolutely and so that said since covid i have completely and utterly shifted into <laughs> <laughs> you know when you can see, when you can see things properly you can't see it right you
1: Unsee see it mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> and so as you know uh one of my biggest mission with flourishing education is to i mean i've always been pushing for a systemic approach but i think more and more my my drive is to empower young people um but also to talk to parents because i think i'm both and i can i could maybe that relate to me (laughs) that's what i feel and i'm more driven driven to do and i want to talk about the, the empowering young people so this week Uh, For the listeners who who may not know, um, my son about two months ago challenged me um, because we were watching this program um, where adults were talking about what needs to change in education. And my son said, left halfway uh, through. um, And then I left him and then I came back and and sort of talked to him and I said, why did you leave? And he said his words were, I didn't feel empowered. Um, And so... I explored further and I said to him okay so why not and what can we do and and his words really for me were like oh <laughs> he mm-hmm. thought you know mum you adults always keep telling us what we need or what we have to do but you you were well, at which point are you going to ask us what we think we need um and there's a part of me that went we're too four. And he even said, you know, it's the same with you, man. with flourishing education. You keep talking to all these adults, but when are you going to ask young people what they think? So I was like, oh, okay. So i like, well, <laughs> what do I do then? And he went, well, put your money where you're my face and help me connect to more young people to see what, what they want and what we can do. So obviously this week, this is what I've tried to do and so sort of, you know, um, trying to to help um Young, some young people you know providing the platform and then stepping back which I have to admit it's quite difficult for me because I'm a doer and I'm really involved in the whole system so it was a great experience for me but on Thursday evening I listened you know I was a fly on the wall and I listened to you young people talk um, and I was in awe um, by so much wisdom and so much respect and, you know, the, 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 the people in, on that call were from 9 to 26, 27, um, you know, mainstream and home eds. And, you know, it was just awesome. So do you want to talk to that, Yumna, and just sort of say why it's important for young people to, to meet together without adults and, you know, free to express themselves and to explore what it would mean to change education?
1: yeah I feel like young people need that space because we're not often given that space in schools everything's just be quiet get on with your work Um, there's no need for discussion really but I feel like effective collaboration between young people um, is important because they can they can relate to a lot of things that we're talking about and they can resonate with it as well and they can add in their own experiences and we can learn from each other and a lot of things a lot of good can come out of it when a lot of young people sit down and talk about something that they are interested in because they understand again the agency that they have to contributing to that issue um like contribute to solving that issue um whether that's i was reading like in a school i think it's in France where you know young people lead classes that sort of thing is really empowering because not only do they learn they can teach the con- the content and feel empowered doing so and feel confident and feel safe and nurtured in an environment where they don't feel like they'll be ridiculed by their classmates they won't be you know embarrassed they feel they don't feel ashamed and they feel it's it's in a more open environment where it's not it's open for c- constructive criticism but also allows the young people to feel safe in that environment um and so young people leading classes and lessons you know you might feel like that's that's not radical that's not that's not you know out there but a lot of that stuff is not being done in schools Um, and even when we're talking about like group projects in classes it sometimes doesn't work because the young people are not given it's sort of regulated and it's it's controlled whereas young people need the space to be able to say you know teachers are supposed to be there as facilitators per se not not to sort of teach what just what they know, but young people can also put in what they know as well. I don't know if I'm making sense, but teachers are supposed to be there as facilitators and teach what they know as well, but young people need to be given the opportunity for them to be able to say what they need to say. Um, And so I felt like the space that we had on Thursday that was online and it was just, it was incredible to see young people from across the spectrum, people who were you know, older, way older than me, um, who are in university, who are still within the system of um education, and people like me who've just finished their GCSEs but want to contribute um to the discussion, and young people who are homeschooled, um, and young people who don't even who don't attend like mainstream. Um, schooling and seeing the differences but also seeing the similarities of what we had to say about what was about the flaws in the education system but also the solutions that we that we can that we can you know come up with
0: yes and they and i think what what that made me reflect on it and it's something that i've spoken with adults about um and i would love your take on it Um, as a young person is do you feel that we adults see you young children are as i don't know what the words i want to use but like imperfect or unfinished product or add you know like not quite you know the the young child but actually these is the unfinished adult i don't know i don't know what the what words i want to use to describe it but Mm -hmm. This is the sense I get is like that when we look at our children, we don't see the beauty of who they are right now. Um, do do you would you agree with that?
1: I feel like some adults do, yes. They see, I know what you're talking about with the unfinished, you know, product thing. I mean, like they give, they say to young people, okay, you're growing up, you're getting more older, and they're telling them, you know, you're going to get more responsibility, so on, but they're not actually giving them the responsibility. It's like you're getting older, but. That that I don't know how to say, but their their your their choices and their decisions are not just being solely for them. It's it, it's conditioned by the outside environment um, and the other people's you know other people's take and views on it. Um, and, but they're you know young people are growing up, but they're saying to them, okay, you're getting more older, you need a bit more responsibility, but they're not actually giving them that. They're not giving them their own choice. Um, and so, but I also feel like there's a, an, an element of transformative education when we're talking about it. It does come from the white middle-class perspective because I do feel like, um, for me, especially, you know, growing up in inner city, Birmingham, an area where, you know, a lot, like some teachers do say, you know, it's a deprived area and so on. It's like one of the lowest, you know, soci- socially economically deprived areas in the whole of the UK. You know, this it, it this transformative education inclusive education does come it does come from a good place but unschooling and unlearning might no not unlearning sorry unschooling might or it might not be a suitable alternative to every parent or to every um, child to every family because it just may not work um it's it comes it does come from a good place but we also need to have a bit more nuance around the conversation with how can unschooling work? Do we need to have programs within mainstream education um, and slowly start dismantling the structures? Or do we need to have a completely alternative to school? Do we need to, you know, reform some aspects of the education schooling system, sorry, um, and allow and, and, and empower students in other ways? So there's a lot there's a lot of choices and options out there. but It's just what what can work now and what? is more sustainable um for the future i think so mm,
0: and i love that so that makes me think of a conversation i had with a really lovely colleague mina um, and we were talking together about just this about the fact that you know it, it there's such a spectrum so you've got traditional schoolings you know you were saying like white middle class and you know private education all of those mm-hmm. things. um and then you've got more but progressive alternative I hate all of those words and constructs but we'll use them for the for the purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right um and for me and and Amino came up with this analogy and I really love it it's this notion of uh, you know when you you go in a in a restaurant for me it's about choice and it's about what you were just saying previously about there's no one size fits all. So, you know, I say that it's not one path, it's one's path. Mm-hmm. If it's one's path, it means that it will look different for you, you know, than it will do for my son, for example. Um, but it just means that it's almost, Mina was saying, it's like going to the restaurant and having, having a choice between fixed menu everybody's mm-hmm. having the same meal and that's that or a la carte where you can just sort of go right oh. I'm gonna have you know um and I really love the first suggestion yeah i quite excited by that because um I guess maybe it's the French in me that's means... we? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh yes I like that but a la carte wouldn't that be amazing if we had a system in a, a, a schooling system that works this way what, what do you think of that concept
1: I feel like that's such an interesting way to put it and that that you know that that's really interesting if you know a young person chooses what they want to do um but I'm not I don't know I don't know the way to put it I feel like there needs to be a change in the education the schooling system but I'm not all for like full autonomy or full choice for everything because it might not work Like, for example, um, a young person who doesn't have structure to their day um, and experiences, you know, neurodivergent issues, they may feel more anxious in not having a structure or routine or discipline to their day, like, if you know what I'm saying. So it may not work for everybody. I feel like for me, like, personally, I would want to have some structure for my day because that's just the person I am. I want to learn about this and this and that. But if there's not a structure in my day, I sort of feel nervous and anxious mm, what i'm going to do and i might procrastinate i might not do end up doing anything so that's that's what i'm when you were saying a la carte, that's that's what it is it's giving a young person a choice where do, you, do they want to have a full structure of their day do they want to do some sort of stuff do they not want to have that structure but i feel like the educated the schooling system doesn't give us that choice to do that
0: And I guess I would add something that you you talk about in your TED talk, which is the personal development, which for me, the system doesn't teach young people to know themselves. So Mm -hmm. you you seem to know what you need. So, you know, I need structure. I need to understand, you know, whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. How many
0: young people and adults for that matter don't know exactly who they are and what they stand for? Um, And so that then makes it really difficult to know what works for you as an individual or not,
1: right? Yeah, so that's, that's why I was thinking, like, that's why we need to explore different methods and different um, educational methods. And that's why I said, I'm not educationalist. I don't know all these, all these different education methods. There's, there's, <laughs> there's loads around the world, there's loads of examples. But if we don't actually explore the different alternatives, how would we know what suits us best if we haven't tried that? And if we just stick to one, we don't know what suits us. We don't know what can actually work for us best in the long run. So, if so, we need to we need to do something. We need to change it. Um, we need to go out there, explore different small scales, whether that's larger scales of educational models that may work, um, and seeing what suits best for the school, the area, the context, the parents, the teachers, the um, you know the the leaders in within within the schools, um and seeing what work, what works best for them.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I want to explore something because that I think I really like that is also the paradigms and how we view others, right? So um you were talking about your 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 city, Birmingham, and you know inner Birmingham city and you know night crimes, you know, knife crimes and you know all of those things. Um, the same in some London in areas in London <clears throat> have similar situations um, and I'm coming in you know as a as a white person talking about this okay so um, <clears throat> if there's anything I say that <clears throat> you want to challenge or whatever please do because it's always good to 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 be challenged but I think that we like for example I, m- as a as a white per, white middle class person might have, I don't think I have, but may have prejudices or opinions about people, and I would come if I wasn't self aware. I may think, oh well, they're in this situation, and that's you know the best they can do is this, or you know, or you're in this this school or this area. Um, and, you know go to school and <clears throat> sorry get your degree get whatever and then you can better your life and all of those things but I personally have an issue with with that because it's sort of like suggesting that where where you are is not okay for you um
1: yeah
0: that doesn't sit right for me um so I would love your 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 take on that you know so sort of how, how do we discuss all of those conversations and
1: how do we shift the paradigms? Yeah, that's such an important point because I feel like young people, especially, are put on this like wheel of school, then uni, then get a job, then you know have get have family. But that's just it; just doesn't work for anyone. And it's the you know the, the paradigm is starting to change. More people are seeing that it doesn't work, and it's and it's it's harmful. It that it's dangerous. But I feel like young people and and everyone actually not even just young people need to understand that to change systems externally we have to change our own mindsets internally. We have to be able to identify the false limiting beliefs that are in our minds. I mean to expose them we need to be able to identify the societal ideals and expectations that are restricting us and are not making us feel like we can unleash you know our potential um and feeling like we can't really pursue that our ideas we can't really like talk like discuss them or you know talk about them because they're just impractical going moving beyond that and be- because our minds tend to gravitate towards comforting things or things that we are familiar with it's hard to step outside of that because it presents the false nature of you know this is safe this is secure when really it's not it just puts us back it doesn't allow us to and make the connect, make connections with different people. It doesn't allow us to um, change the, the belief system that we have in our mind. And so we need to understand that we can't be using other people's blueprint as a measure for our own success and our, our own achievement. And the education, the schooling system and wider education system needs to recognise that building a young person needs to be done holistically. Um, young person a young person needs to be going through their own journey and also teachers need to be consistently educating themselves and talking about different issues um and actually thinking of ways to combat it um so I'll give you an example you know um like our brains always keep score of everything and I said this in my TED talk but if I stand on the edge of a stage I'll move back because I know that I will fall I might hurt myself your brain is designed to keep you safe and not necessarily the rules that are put in place. And so when we are scared of the thing, when we wanna you know, pursue, pursue something, um, but take no action in doing so, we allow our fear to overtake our own courage that we have in our own faith. Um, and so we need to shift the focus within the education system um, from externally designed outcomes. You know, Teachers always set targets, students are t- targets, That's not helpful and it creates more pressure. It increases the amount of mental health issues within um, our schools. Um, And our flourishing, flourishing education. They do a lot of work on, you know, well-being within the education system with teachers and with students. Because when teachers get more frustrated with the system, they end up blaming themselves um, and they end up feeling that they can't do anything. Students also may not recognize when they're in the system that there's something wrong. So a lot of people that I was talking to, like my friends, they're like, well, how do you even see this? Like, we're not seeing what you're seeing of the the, the, the issues within the education system. We're not seeing it as clearly as you're seeing it, I and mean, we don't think that we can have that sort of thing. But now we've come out of that, we, we're seeing, okay, we've left school, sort of. Like, I'm in mean, year eleven, I've basically left um, secondary school. But when, the, but we're just seeing now the cracks in our education system because of the pandemic and because we've sort of left school. And the pandemic has really, really exacerbated a lot of the educational inequalities. Um, and even just this past year, with a lot of you know things going on around the world, with social injustice, with racial injustice, with economic injustice, a lot of people are seeing the different cracks, but are also linking that back to the education system. How our education system doesn't sort of allow us to see, um, allow us to discuss rather the, the political issues that are going on around the world um it doesn't allow us to um take time out basically to understand that that sort of stuff and take time out to discuss take time to um understand what we can do to contribute Um, and i said this um before i think in a different i said this before but it was something about how without an understanding of the educational inequalities intersecting educational inequalities Education has, will and continue and will continue to be a a production and reproduction of the social inequities that we see in the world. And by that, I mean the different systems of oppression that people are going through, the different ways that people are struggling, the different aspects, whether that's childhood um, poverty rates, whether that's homelessness, whether that's um, the problem with, you know, the education system itself and the problem with our food system as well. Problem with you know how our healthcare system um, puts down people from um, ethnic minority groups, all of that sort of things intersect. All of our identities sort of intersect in a different way, and so we need to be able to understand what part the education system plays in a lot of different things that are going on around the world. And with and even if so, I was reading an article and it's talking about you know Orsi how oracy is really, really important um, within our education system. But in school, we're told to be quiet, get on with it. And how Eton, I think it was, built an £18 million debating chamber for their students. And most of the students that go to Eton are like, why, you know, privately educated kids, whose parents have the money, whose parents do sit down with them and talk about these big, big problems in the world of politics and this and that but people like me who live in a normal area um, you know that we don't we, we're not really given the opportunity to be able to discuss in that freeway because they they're preparing themselves to take on the world they're preparing themselves to lead the country they're preparing themselves to be talking to these big people but i've learned you know or, The skills that I've developed have been outside the education, the schooling system, but they're developing it inside the the schooling system and outside. And they're talking to people and they're being able to communicate themselves in an elegant way and being able to connect with people who are passionate about what they're passionate about and work on solutions. But we feel like we're not given the, the chance or the opportunity to. And that's sad when you think about it. But it just, it really, really opened my eyes, like 18 million pounds. That's not even a sixth of what my school was built on. That's literally not even, a, a million probably. Like, that's just mind-boggling. That's just fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just means, and this is so spot on, because one of the things I've been talking a lot about because of the third book I'm writing is this notion that actually I i personally feel feel that the reason the system is you get your sats and then you get your gcse's and then you get the a levels and then you go to the mm-hmm. holy cow that is university preferably oxford or cambridge but if you mm-hmm. can't then you go to another russell group okay yeah this is the model and then and then now a degree is not enough so you need a higher degree you need a masters or you need a phd or you know all of those things and this is the model that, if you look at all our leaders, this is the models that they have followed. A lot of them through private education, places like Eton, who have a this a replica of the Parliament that you mentioned. Um, and and I feel, and again, this is this is my humble opinion. I feel that th- what is being asked is like everybody should go through that system because look at us, we we are successful, we've money. Um, and the the sign of success is let's take a poor white kid or a uh, a child who is from an you know ethnic man, minority so black asian whatever and take them through that system and get them through the you know to Cambridge and Oxford and there you go you've got your success but to me it's like what well, have we asked if that's what they want. um and is that really a sign of success? Because I see some of my students at university who are there because they feel they have to be at university, not because they want to be at university. And seriously, they're making themselves sick because they're finding it really, really challenging. So what what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I would definitely, definitely agree with that. that model of, GCSEs, A levels, and school, then and taking a, a, a girl like me, for example, who is you know from my, my background, wears hijab, who racializes black, who is you know from my own background, working class, dare I say, but it's they're taking me through that model, for example, um, and saying this is this is where you can be because look this is what the people who are running the country this is what they've gone through so if you want to be up there you have to go through that same model but that's just not always um how it works like in our in schooling system for like in a normal school comprehensive school students and like the schools don't like praise or don't educate like uh, encourage sorry students to take an active interest in the world um and develop their own awareness and in fact they government actually actively you know prevents students from developing themselves whether that's socially and or even like politically um maybe because they're scared of the consequences i don't know but it's not it's it's not really encouraged um as opposed to you know a school that's private um like eton or harrow or whatever it's not it's it's not really encouraged that much um, but because they're going to be running the country and because they're going to be leading um, the world, they're encouraged to go down that path. So, so they are better prepared, if you want to say, um, for that.
0: Yes, and the cynic in me is that, like you were saying, it's, it's better to have people who don't start asking questions, right? If yeah. Asking questions. It's troublesome. <laughs> <not> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so, so Yumna, I'm going to give you a magic wand. You've got this magic wand. You can change the schooling system, the education system. Yeah. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? What's different? Talk me through that.
1: What's different is that the student can, school is a more happier place, or the more young people feel more confident, teachers are more inclusive the the curriculum is more you know it allows students to develop their own critical thinking it allows students to be able to solve issues in a multidisciplinary way um to be able to understand that a solution is not looking at it, looking at it from one angle for example childhood obesity um you don't look at it just from that perspective you can look at it from the policies the junk food marketing that goes through the involved the 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 you know every, like the different aspects of that the science that goes into it there's a lot of different things um that can be changed like just we I mean, we're just talking about like curriculum um making sure that every student feels confident enough to express themselves um a place where oracy is something that is encouraged um a place where you know it feels you feel like you feel like you can make you can make a difference and you can contribute to the world a place where people st- your mental health is not, um, having that like, mental health problem is not stigmatized um it values the arts It values the storytelling encourages you to learn about personal finance how to budget how to save how to invest how to be more socially aware how to be how to you know have like ethics when you're doing um things and encourages your own personal growth journey and encourages and nurtures you as a whole person your passions your interests um, and is more of a you know has more greenery allows you to like encourages you to go out and be with be with nature Um, you know there's a lot of different things but just encourages you to be a more person who is happier who is more confident who you know knows what they want and even if they don't, you know, connecting with different people and be able to have those rich conversations um, and be more happier.
0: Amazing. Where do I sign?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs>
0: so, Yumna, um, before we we finish and we wrap up, and I ask you about what you want listeners to take away. On Thursday, you shared with young people something about. Um, so you young people were talking about the notion that in schools you are often said or, or asked, you know, what do you want to do when you're grown up? Where, you know, what do you want to do? You know, and, and study the things that will help you to be a, a good uh, worker or, you know, to contribute to the community. OK, and, and to contribute to society. Um, would you be happy to share with, with the listeners and with us what you wrote in the chat?
1: yeah so basically you're talking about um how like in school conditions you to think in one way and like you're a fixed employee um for example and i said um i don't like dream i don't wake up and dream of labor um or want it or want to succumb to the hyper capitalist society that we've become engrossed in um and i found like, i i said it at the, I, I wrote it in the chat at the time but i just didn't see how like powerful it was but now i'm thinking about it. it it really it really makes me think about how the schooling system hasn't changed the wider schooling system sorry hasn't changed that much since the industrial like times it it really hasn't changed that much there are certain schools who are diff- doing different things um, and exploring different learning you know methods and uh doing different things but the wider wider schooling system really hasn't changed that much and Instead, we need to be asking, instead of asking young people what, like, what do you want to be when you're older? Ask them who, what person do you want to become? Who do you want to be? How do you want to, how do you want to feel? Who do you want to interact with? What, what kind of, what, what, what was your ideal lifestyle? It's not just about um, your career and your job and that sort of thing. It's more of the developing yourself as a whole. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to interact with? What contribution do you want to make to the world? What experiences do you want to have? And how can you, how can you do this? Basically. Um, and so yeah.
0: So beautiful and so powerful, amazing. And that is, you know, I, I had a uh, a meeting in my at my university. We were talking about decolonizing the curriculum, which is a topic that's very current. Um, okay. and that In the conversation, I actually said to my colleagues in the breakout rooms i said forget decolonizing the curriculum decolonize the schooling system and then we can talk about <laughs> things because the thing is the the schooling system is based on a victorian era where actually it was all about the the british empire and all of the you know all the values underpinning it are com- go completely against anything like you know collaboration, respect with the individual, you know, meeting people where they're at and all of those things. Uh, and yeah. I think that if we don't decolonize the schooling system, nothing will change. That's my personal opinion.
1: Yeah. I just want to add on to that I was reading something um, and I think it's the professor of Black Studies. Um, and he questioned basically whether decolonizing educational institutions is even possible because they form part of the establishment itself and so he basically presented a challenge where like encouraging black educators to ask them to reflect and how they might colonize the institution as part of their own resistance so that really like it blew my mind you know learning about how we can decolonize the education system but even he was saying on on that hand that is it even possible because they form part of the establishment itself and so it's such a complex thing to dismantle, but it's it's really, really needed. It's really necessary um, because decolonizing the education system is really, really important. And I could sit here talking about it all day.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think maybe it's a subject for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what you said about that, the the developing an individual that is not focused on um on being an employee and sort of, you know, obviously the old system was about factory, sort of, you know, producing factory workers, Um, but actually shifting that um, in terms of the, who are you, what do you stand for? And, you know, what type of life do you want to live? Which is what you were describing. I think that's where that's, for me, that's where the link is with the decolonizing is that we need to shift that paradigm and what the purpose of education is
1: yeah definitely definitely agree with that yeah. um yeah
0: amazing so yumna thank you so much for your time i could talk to you for hours and hours you just i wish Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome thank you um thank you for being you and shining your light um young lady keep shining bright We need <laughs> thank more you. people like you um so thank you for that thank you for your time thank you for your insights um I ask all my guests when we wrap up uh what are the one or two things that you would want us to take away from this conversation for you what would it be what what's your messages
1: I'm gonna I'm, I'm sorry but I'm gonna have to repeat what I said in the last part of my TED talk because I just I just I I'm still mind-boggling like how did I write that how did I say that but I'm gonna say it now and I feel like it's really, really important um so now's the time to grow our own collective resilience now is the time that we need to reevaluate our education system now is the time that we need to remember that we as individuals are far more impactful and when we give ourselves the permission to seek a renewed sense of possibility for our own communities when we work together when we collaborate um, in which we can actually develop ourselves into active citizens who want to create a difference who are reimagining the systems that we live in with a limitless potential, and we have the agency to redefine our lives on our own terms. So please take that away from this and remember that you just keep educating yourself, keep learning um, about how we can change our education system and keep including young people, keep including parents, keep including teachers, educators in your conversations um, and just be the person that you are. Beautiful, thank you so much
0: Yumna.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Fabienne. I, I really I really enjoyed this. Um, thank
0: but... you. So Didai, you are you you just so inspiring. So thank <laughs> you for being here. Thank me. you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast. follow us on Spotify. You can also reach me via Twitter at Flourishing on LinkedIn, or you can join our private Facebook group, Flourishing Education. All the links are easily available on anchor.fm. Thank you so much. And I hope you are flourishing. Bye for now.